0: Thank you to everyone who supports the show and all of the shows in the Major Spoilers podcast network. If you are not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at Patreon.com/slash MajorSpoilers.
1: The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later.
2: I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley.
3: I'm Rodrigo.
1: And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans.
3: In this issue, I get to say hell a lot with Hellboy in Hell, Volume 2, and it's one hell of an ending to his hellish story. Also hell. Plus, we cast our baleful gaze at the worlds of pop culture, TV, role-playing games, digital comics, and even Gotham City, with stops long away at Anaheim, Azusa, and Cook! Come on, so be sure to have your ticket as our bellman dr jones is a bit of a stickler on that and sit back while the major spoilers podcast takes to the air
1: welcome to issue eight nine eight of the major spoilers podcast thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week oh if you want to know all about tacos and beaver tails and uh what else did we talk about oh uh uh uh, alcoholic drinks made from agave oh you want to check out the major spoilers pre-show and you can get that when you become a member over at patreon.com slash spoilers. Now, I'm going to make a quick announcement. This is really important for people to listen to. Starting on November 1st and running until December 31st, everyone who signs up as a patron, every patron from the $1, the $2, the $5, $10, uh, $25, $40 level, we're going to open up anything that we post up on our Patreon page is going to be available for you during that time period. You're not going to have access to past stuff, but if we release a pre-show on uh, this uh, next week, then you will get that if you're a $1 subscriber. We want to give you a taste of what you can get when you sign up for one of those higher levels. So you're going to get, what do we think, Matthew? We we were talking about this on Saturday during our VIP live chat. You're probably going to end up with somewhere between uh, seven and eight pre-shows. You're going to get Critical Hit uh, a week early. Uh, you are going to get uh, probably a flashback episode what yep. else did
3: We're we talk together about? together a flashback. Uh, you're going to have access to all the new cool stuff. I think there's going to be like a uh, Why Do You Hate Me coming up. Yep.
1: There's a GM roundtable you will have access yeah. to. You'll be able to uh, access that. Uh, and gonna, VIP gonna live chat.
3: People, you're going to
0: give people a early access to Critical Hit as we start a new campaign. Exactly. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow, wow.
1: So that's yeah. all. That's starting. That's, and it's only for November 1st to December 31st. So now there are some drawbacks you're not going to get, you know, there aren't any uh, art prints are not going to be sent to you. If you're the one or two dollar level, you're not going to get access to the uh, the RSS feed or anything like that. Uh, but you will get access to the stuff that we released that month. So you can get a feel for what we're doing over there at patreoncom slash major spoilers, uh, because we think we're doing a heck of a lot of good stuff over there. Just an added bonus to all the stuff that you're getting right now. And why? Were you wondering if we were talking about the uh, in the in the pre-show, why were we talking about tacos and beaver tails? Well, that's all part of the Top 5 episode coming up very soon. Top 5 non-American food. You can find out more about Top 5 over at majorspoilers.com or go check it out in your favorite podcast feed. All right, enough with that. Let us do some news.
2: Hey, I'm really good at unmuting myself. This is actually Very sad news, so let's pretend that I was mourning and rending my clothes, as I have to tell you that Sabrina the Teenage Witch is going to wrap in December, aka The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It is going to finish shooting its final season December 31st. Uh, Netflix, oh no, it's not going to finish shooting. It's already done shooting netflix dropped the trailer earlier this week comes out new year's eve which is pretty cool we'll get to watch the final eight episodes of the series how's sabrina doing in hell we'll find out the chilling adventures of sabrina is a dark coming-of-age story about sabrina spellman played by uh the very adorable kiernan shipka a teenage witch who struggles to find the balance between her birthright her family and her mortal friends in greendale i'm gonna be honest i thought it was gonna go longer than three seasons
1: yeah, well, I'm glad that we get a, a fourth season, even if it's only eight episodes. And I will say this: I was this many years old uh, uh, today. Well, not today, today but years uh, old. when I when I wrote this when I wrote this article, when I finally realized that the Sabrina, when they're spelling her name out for the show, the B is a thirteen, and I'm just like, ah, oh, how did I not yeah, see yeah. that sooner? <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's a nice use of the letter 13, not seen since the 13th Warrior.
1: Yeah. If you are a Marvel Unlimited subscriber, you now have access to comics even earlier. According to the publisher, readers can get access to new weekly additions to the digital comic service three months after they've hit the store shelves. You can now get access to the Empire event as of, of this recording, the new Thor run, and a whole lot more. Currently, several publishers have announced day and date releases on Comixology Unlimited, and I suspect we'll see more publishers close the date on their unlimited services as well.
0: Uh, Speaking of stuff that I do online, uh, Roll20 (laughs) has announced a new set of content updates to its service. In addition to a new grid view and scheduling updates, the online tabletop system has announced new gaming content for uh, for D&D, Starfinder, Pathfinder, Alien, Warhammer, Tomb of Beasts 2, Call of Cthulhu, and a bunch more. Most of the new content is rolling out between now and the first quarter of 2021. And if you use Roll20 as much as I do, you can already see that they've made some changes to the interface.
1: Yeah. Some of it was done the day of the announcement that this came out. One of the other things that is not mentioned in what you had just mentioned is they're coming up with a mobile app so that you have at the very least access to your character sheet and the dice roller from the mobile app. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's good. And that, uh, that's a good move. It's a weird move right now because what that does for you is it allows you to have local games run on Roll20, mm-hmm. right? Where you can invite your friends and they can roll dice on their phone and you can have like a central screen for everybody. Um, but unfortunately, uh, that uh, that's that's hopefully not, not happening too much nowadays.
3: Rangers, behold the viewing globe! Deadline is reporting that Jonathan Entwistle is being tapped by Ewan and Hasbro, the new owners of the Power Rangers, to produce and direct new film and television adaptations of the Power Rangers franchise, which, of course, is based on Japanese tokusatsu franchise Super Sentai. Uh, tokusatsu just means special filming. Uh, I just like to throw that in because it's fun. Uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers debuted in 1993. My life was never the same. They were most recently rebooted in 2017 as a feature film from Lionsgate. Uh, Do you guys see that? It was a movie. Yeah, yes. Yeah. This guy N Twistle apparently created the Netflix series "I Am Not Okay With This," which I've heard of, and created an original series, "The End of the Effing World," which I haven't, but now I kind of want to see.
1: Yeah, it's uh, there's two seasons of that. The, I watched the first season of "The End of the Effing World," and that's like uh, a
3: serial killer
0: thing, right? Or like a sociopath thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, both
2: of those are actually based on comic books. What?
1: Yep. 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 Yep.
2: I've read them both. They're great. If you like, um, if you like ghost world, teenagers hate themselves kind of stuff.
3: I like teenage Scarlett Johansson. Does that count?
2: Uh, debatable. Okay.
1: Depends on how old you were when you said that.
2: Don't forget. If you want to throw some shade at me for what a good job I've been doing today, I'm clearly too far away from my cup of coffee. Join this conversation. Let's chat these stories. Let's chat more. Hop over to our discord you can join the major Spoilers discord discord server for free it's super easy or if you're a cool patron link up your patreon account to discord and what that does is that gets you access to even more features uh like being able to comment on the quality of your host this episode at patreon.com slash major spoilers
1: all the comments are always positive about you Ashley. i don't know what you're talking about don't be so hard on yourself
2: i just don't believe that for a second but that's okay
1: yeah all right the news is done Let us jump into some reviews, and I will say that a lot of people have been, uh, had a lot of very positive comments on the way that we're doing news there. I hope that uh, gives you a little taste. If you want more news, of course, you can find it over at Major Spoilers, and Ashley and I will generally talk up some news things uh, in the more entertainment world uh, on Finally Friday, whenever she uh, makes her appearance there. I think you're scheduled to come this week, right?
2: I am.
1: All right, cool. Unless she gets pulled away by her super secret project, which is really cool, too, so... (laughs) Why don't we start our reviews off this week with you Ashley and let's talk about The Vow which has now been announced that it's getting a second season and a uh,
2: blessed day Keith <laughs> Raniere is going to be in prison for the rest of his life what a gift
1: Yes that uh, that announcement came out just before we started to record the uh, the show today
2: Yeah so, uh approximately a million people texted it to me <laughs> So I like that everyone knows this is now an ongoing part of my brand um We'll see if other people get involved in that. Maybe more news on that. We won't talk about it because it's really not that exciting. But I finished The Vow, which is the series about uh, Keith Render's cult, Nexium, And uh, I feel like enough time has passed that it's still okay to talk about it on the show. But uh, sp- I'm going to drop all spoilers. So the weird thing about The Vow, which has been uh, HBO Max's latest documentary series, is uh, the pacing in it is not great. The uh, The pacing in it. Is uh, slow and weird uh, and difficult to plunge through. Probably like being a member of Nexium or uh, ESP or any of its sort of um, umbrella corporation stuff. But this is where everything comes to a head. So, the episode before this, uh, episode eight, is very interesting because it finally unravels the men's group and the women's group that ultimately led to the human trafficking. Uh, for which the uh, people in charge of Nexium are going to be in prison for the rest of their life for. And episode nine is called The Fall, and it literally deals with this absolute downfall, how the FBI finally got involved, and what has ultimately brought uh, this cult and its founders to its knees. And what I do admire about the documentary series is that it doesn't necessarily paint everyone they're interviewing in the best light, and there are people involved um, who did become whistleblowers and are are doing their best to atone. There are people who have done bad things, and they're very on front street about that. Um, but unfortunately, at the end, even though it ends when Keith Raniere, the head of the cult, uh, is finally apprehended and he's going to be charged, um, it, it very much ends, instead of this triumphant moment, it's much more of a self-flagellation moment. So... You make it through all this weirdness, and then it ends on kind of a bummer, even though ultimately the best thing happened, which is this crazy man who has been abusing his followers for years and years and years, uh, was captured and detained. So, like, that's a big plus. But tonally, the episode is very weird. But these last two episodes have really been good, really gotten the energy of this series together. And I've been doing this, like, spooky watch for October where I'm watching scary movies and this series is probably the scariest thing that I have watched so far because it's all real mm-hmm. it's not just magic and lighting and camera tricks and it does reflect a lot in this final episode on what type of people get drawn in and how hard it is to break away and that is real and that should not be I'm being very flip as I'm speaking about it but it shouldn't be discounted um the fact that this horrible man in this horrible organization was taken down by basically a bunch of people who turned over a lot of revealing things that put them in a bad light as well uh i've seen people have some adverse reactions to the end because it does end with a phone call to keith radieri who's the man who was sentenced to live in prison for the rest of his life and season two is apparently going to involve him and let him tell his story we haven't necessarily been presented with what lens that's going to be through but i know a lot of people are not pro that um, from a journalistic perspective, I sort of uh, respect that because you're going to get all sides of the story. And that, you know, there's their side, there's your side, and then there's the truth. And hopefully that will balance this out. So I would say that overall, I think this is probably the best episode of the series so far, but compared to HBO's other true crime docs like I'll be gone in the dark which I also talked a lot about on this podcast I think as a series this one does not hold up as well like I talked about there are serious pacing issues I know a lot of people who dropped off mid series but we're all stuck inside right now ordering really cool non-american food so if you are in that boat like myself highly recommend checking out the vow uh stick with it through the weird pacing problems because to get to episode 8 and episode 9 is really really worth it And I think it'll give you a really interesting perspective on maybe the modern condition and why people feel like they need something Mm -hmm. like this, because it definitely caused me to reflect a lot on, uh, on myself as well, because like so many things, it starts from an interesting place of truth and then unravels from there. So the vow, very interesting, but also a very weird show with a satisfying finale.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, I will uh, agree with you that it's the weird pacing and the yeah. slow pace and the awkwardness of the first episode that really kind of turned me off on the series. I was just like, well, if this is the way it's going to be, it's a little bit too slow. And I really don't want to see the rest of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. And I've, I see that complaint from a lot of people. So I don't know if I will go back into this. And I know a lot of people are kind of rolling their eyes about, oh, my gosh, there's a season two. But my understanding is and I don't know if this is related to the vow or if it's related to the other nexium documentary documentary yeah yeah it's uh is it a hulu or is it uh, stars or whatever it's seduced inside the nexium cult
2: oh i thought it was hulu but uh it could very well be a stars add-on
1: yeah um but somebody when one of the people involved uh possibly an actress who's on a show that everyone knows mm. um when she was going off to do her stint uh she had a locker or something that had a bunch of hard drives and uh usb drives and things yeah, and,
2: also also currently in prison. <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh this person said, Oh, let me take a look at all this stuff, uh, after you know, after a couple of months of keeping it in the home, and then was like, Holy crap, look at all this stuff that's in here. And I guess that's the reason why there's a season two of the of the thing. Because oh, it interesting. goes into the, I didn't know that. Yeah, it goes I guess it goes into the nitty gritty of like, here is his here is his plot point by point, is is in one of these files that talks about how uh what he was planning to do this whole time. So I don't know. Um that's what I heard. That's what I was looking at, and I didn't know if you were going to go check out the Seduced documentary as well.
2: Oh, definitely. All right. (laughs) I love me an upsetting documentary. (laughs) All right,
1: cool. Absolutely. Speaking of upsetting things, Matthew, uh, Batman (laughs) Three Jokers number three is out this week. A lot of people, uh, some controversial stuff about this. I I would be in agreement. I read the first uh, issue of that, uh, did not uh, care to go back to issues two and three, Uh, but let's uh, get your take on Batman Three Jokers number three from DC Comics.
3: Boy, that Jason Fabok can draw, my friend. This book should go up on a wall with Doomsday Clock and um, with Before Watchmen, a list of things that DC should never have done that were extremely poorly written, but just beautifully drawn. I mean, this is a gorgeous issue, and best of all, even though there are three Jokers in play and they're basically the same guy, you can always tell which Joker you're dealing with. And The thing that's wonderful about it is that only one of them has a giant bullet in his head, and that's a big giveaway. But in this story, we discover that the three Jokers, who are being three Jokers, uh, one of whom is dead, have apparently been going around Gotham City, dosing other people with Joker Venom to try and make the perfect Joker, a better Joker, a Joker who will finally obsess all of Batman's obsession. So who can you think of in the universe that you could pull out and try to turn into a Joker to make the ultimate Joker to focus all of Batman's uh, hatred on?
1: Oh, uh, I think it was kind of hinted either. I think in the first one or definitely in the second one, uh, Jason Todd, right?
3: Nope. Joe Chill. Joe Chill.
1: Oh yeah. That was, yeah, that was the other guy. Oh,
2: I was going to say like any and all Robins. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: In this issue, we find out what happened to Joe Chill. Joe Chill is a very, very old, very, very ill man in a hospital who has finally tried to come to terms, has written tons of letters to young Bruce apologizing for what happened, who's really turned over a new leaf and you know, found religion and also is dying. So when Batman, Batgirl, and the Red Hood show up to try and confront whichever Joker is in play, they find him ready to drop Joe chill into a vat of Joker fluid and create the perfect Joker. Now, when something happened in a previous issue, somebody called Jason Todd shot somebody called the Joker and killed him.
4: Yeah,
1: that was an issue one.
3: Yeah. In this issue, the Joker who crippled Barbara is fighting Barbara and, you know, kind of being a schmuck throughout the whole thing. And this issue is very much a sequel to The Killing Joke, which is interesting because it's not in continuity. Uh, For one thing, Alfred is alive. But they get into this big fighty-fighty, and all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Is someone going to kill the Joker? And the answer turns out to be yes, but not in the way that you would ever expect. So at the end of this issue, we have the moment that really... I, I have to parse this correctly, because I think for some people, this is going to be the oh hell yeah moment of the entire series, where Batman is finally at home, the Joker thing has shaken out. Again, I'm not going to tell you everything that happens, because there are some interesting twists in here. But Alfred is like, I wonder if we'll ever figure out who he is. And Bruce looks at the camera, the you know metaphorical camera, and he's like, not to sound like people think I do, Alfred but I knew the Joker's name one week after we first met. And we discover that apparently, for however long it's been, two years, five years, 67 years, whatever it is, I don't know, Batman has known who the Joker is and ends this issue by explaining that the Joker's name is not important. It never has been and it never will be. And Boy, is that a Gonzo Whopper Bull Moose mixed blessing of a story moment. Isn't
2: that what we all said when this series was announced? (laughs) That's what I've always said about the Joker. (laughs) Yeah.
3: First of all, this is a $7 comic. This is the third in a series of three $7 comics that spent page after page, over 100 pages of story to get to this point without ever having demonstrated it at any point. So you come to the end of this story about how wild it is to have three different jokers trying to make more jokers, and there should be jokers everywhere; they'll just be a sea of jokers. But we get to the end, and it's like, nope, Joker doesn't matter. It's so unearned. Oh, I,
1: if gosh, I'm not but, mistaken, I could have swore that in the first issue, that they there was some illusion that they knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman, and the first Joker was like, "That's not the important part." Right.
3: Yes, uh, one of the jokers does, in fact, say, "Well, Bruce." what do you think? And Batman kind of looks at him and he's like, yes, Bruce Wayne, Barbara Gordon, Jason Todd, but I'll never tell because something, something plot coupon. Yeah. Um, again, there are multiple takes on Batman. Batman is a very elastic character. The Joker, even more so because the Joker has that multiple choice past to the point where literally, Somebody thought it would be a good idea to lantern core him and decide that there's actually seven of him in different colors. I'm sorry, three of him in different colors. Boy, it'd be weird if it was the same author doing this. Anyway, so Jason Fabok can really draw. I will say that. There are a couple of moments in here that I feel like I liked or wanted to like. The Joe Chill reveal where they're like, yeah, because I thought they were going to just lead us right into Jack Nicholson's 1989 Tim Burton origin. I, I that's
0: that. that's the first time that's the first thing I thought as well.
3: Yep, I'm like, "Oh, well, that's fine, you know. We'll bring it all together. Just roll it, wrap it all up and put a bow on it and call it good." But they don't do that. They do something different that I don't like. Um now, had they done that, I might not have liked it. And it's not that I hate Batman. I love Batman. A good Batman story is a joy to behold. But this is just a sea of really familiar cliche plot moments and some dialogue that tries to undermine how cliche it's being. You know, not to talk like people think I talk, but come on. I don't know. So, I'm going to go with Two Slices of Meatloaf, and almost all of that is Fabox' amazing art. There is a close-up of Bruce Wayne brooding. That may be the most dramatic Bruce Wayne shot I've seen since Jim Aparo passed away. And if you know how much I love Aparo, you know that that's some high praise. Uh, Batman, the three Jokers is an overpriced comic. I don't recommend buying it, but if you do beware, it's not going to take you where it seems to be taking you. And that's not necessarily in a good way.
1: How many slices of meatloaf? Two. Two. Two slices
3: of, of loaf. All right. I did say that. I
1: think. All right. I so. Out. Uh, also out this week. It's Rick and Morty Ever After from Oni Lion Forge Publishing. I think it's Oni Lion Forge Entertainment Publishing is their new their new name, but we'll just say uh, Oni Press. Uh, <clears throat> so here's the deal. Uh, Morty has to have a book that he's supposed to have read, and he doesn't want to read it. Uh, Rick miraculously has created a device that lets you plug a book into a chair and you sit in the chair and then all of the knowledge uh, from that book, it goes right into your head. It's almost like you've actually lived the book. And uh, Morty is like, "Okay, well, I'll try this out because I have this book report due tomorrow. And uh, shenanigans, he and Rick both get zapped into the uh, fairy tale world that Morty is reading, in which all of the Um, stories about well, the title of the book is Avalonia sad stories for bad children where basically everyone dies. Uh, And of course, Rick doesn't have his gun. So they uh, find themselves in different parts of Avalonia and in different fairy tales. And uh, if they don't do what they're supposed to do and play the roles that they're supposed to play, they are going to die evil death dead. Um, So I enjoy Rick and Morty for what it is. Uh, the comic books are really very hit and miss with me because it, to me, it is very hard to take animation and bring it into a still environment. I think they do a uh, Sarah Stern is the artist on this. I think she does a really good job of staying on target with the the look from the television show, uh, like with the pupils, with the little stars for the eyes. Uh, but she also has her own flair. So it's not it's not like you're what's the what are, what are those uh, comic books called? The um, uh for comic Maddie? books. Yeah, the Fumetti's. That's what it is. Uh, It's not like the Fumetti's where you are just taking, you know, a still frame and then adding the text balloons to it. So it does look a little off that way. And the fact that things aren't moving, I think, is, is rather odd. And then anytime you're trying to have Rick talk and burp at the same time, but you're spelling out all of his burps and everything and interrupting the sentences that it all feels just very weird right? It's kind of like reading a Simpsons comic. It's it's, it's that, but it's not. Um, And I think that's my biggest problem with this. I think my other big problem that I have with Rick and Morty ever after is we just did Rick and Morty do Dungeons and Dragons. And this is also putting them back into another fairy tale setting or a fantasy setting. And so at least in this first issue, it kind of feels a little flat for me. That being said, I thought about the writing and I think the writing by uh, Sam Mags is very good. I think it's, I think it's solid. I think for what it, what this mini series is, I think it, it is starting off on the right foot, introducing the concept, introducing the shenanigans and introducing the dire consequences. And so from the art and writing side, I think it succeeds in what it's trying to do. I just don't think that this is going to be for everyone. Still, I'm giving it surprisingly four slices of meatloaf out of five because I think it is it's good for what it is. And if you enjoyed Rick and Morty go into Dungeons and Dragons world, well, guess what? You're going to get kind of even more of that in this one, but without all the Dungeons and Dragons references. Uh, you're going to get some Rapunzel references and some other things. So uh, go and enjoy that kind of stuff. It's Rick and Morty ever after number one. It's out this week from Oni Lion Forge publishing and uh, for slices of meatloaf out of five. We're going to wrap up our review section this week with Rodrigo, who's jumping ahead. He's looking far into the future of next week and telling us what Dark Horse is bringing up.
0: In the far flung future of next week, we will read about the far flung future of many years in the future with the Orville. Um. You guys remember the Orville?
1: Oh yeah, the uh, Orville, Star Trek.
0: Loving yeah. the Orville. Yeah, the Orville. It's like uh, that thing where you can do Star Trek, but you don't have to stick to the Star Trek stuff that's already been done. It's Good times. Speaking of which, this, um, uh, this comic. So first off, uh, so I'm reviewing the Orville number three colon heroes, parenthesis, part one of two. That's important because if you just look for the Orville number three and you don't put the thing, there have been other Orville series. Um, this is, the, the reason why it's number three is like this is the third in a series of sort of like two shots. Um, I reviewed another one. I reviewed like the second part of another one uh, a few weeks ago. So if you're just coming into this, It might seem a little confusing, but this is the third story in this series, which is separated between two comics. So, uh, you know, next, next comics go around next month, uh, we'll get issue number two. Um, First off, uh, this continues the series, uh, really excellent like very realistic depictions of the characters like you look at it and it's like yep there's Stewie Griffin and there's uh, that lady that was gonna be Wonder Woman and there's um you know everybody else obviously you know the robot is just like a blank piece of metal but still you know it looks just like him. it looks just like him um it sometimes makes things look a little stiff I think that sort of have... It's like the trade-off, right? If, with photorealistic art, you kind of can't have, like, super dynamic shots because things start to warp. Like, in a comic, you kind of want things to warp and get exaggerated, but you can't do that when you're trying to maintain the the very human proportions of uh, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Um, story-wise, it's interesting. I like that they're focusing on their... Um, the experiences of, of their new, like, security person uh, who, who took over after their old security person left. <laughs> um, it's um, kind of hinting at the... Actually, by the end of the issue, I don't want to spoil it, but by the end of the issue, you see this kind of making, a, like, a genre veer into something that I wasn't necessarily expecting from the Orville, even though they they do foreshadow it. Um, I wasn't expecting them to do it. So I'm very interested in the next issue because we might get um, the, the sort of story that we... Th- despite the fact that the Orville is very flexible as a storytelling uh, sort of setup. Um, I mean, they will just straight up do modern day stuff by going to a planet that's like, Hey, look at this planet. It looks exactly like 2017 Earth ha, how weird. Let's do a story that just takes place on Earth today, right? Um, But um, it's interesting. I want to see where it goes. I want to see what they do with it. Um, I'm going to give it uh, three out of five slices of meatloaf. It's good. Um, I feel that uh, some of these stories are... um, it's like a big ask to have them be just two-parters. Some of them really feel like they want to be three-parters. Um, and this one, I'm starting to feel like that's the case. Because I feel like this entire issue was just the setup for the next one. And I'm like, I feel like we're not going to get very much action um, if we don't have that that much to, to cover. Um, so, altogether, again, three slices of meatloaf. Interesting to see where it goes. Uh, The Orville number three colon heroes part one of two.
1: Very good. Thank you for that, Rodrigo and Ashley and Matthew and dear listener. If you want even more reviews, something we talked about a great deal on uh, this month's VIP live chat, talking about reviews and uh, the fact that we have a lot of reviews for you to check out nearly every single day of the week. I want to say every day of the week, but sometimes there is just a a lull where nothing happens. Uh, But pretty much every day of the week, you can get one or more reviews from all of our creative team over at spoilers.com. You can check it out. Uh, let's see. Coming up later this week, we have uh, uh, Giga, number one, or Jaja number one, depending on how you uh, want to pronounce it. Uh, a lot of people talking about that. Looking forward to that. Uh, X-Men, number 13. Maestro, number three. Sex Criminals, number 69. Strange Academy, number four. Uh, what else do we have? Killadelphia, number nine. X of Swords, Stasis. Uh, I forget what version that is up to. And uh, a whole lot more. That's just some of the stuff that's going on over at Majorspoilers.com. And on Thursday, Matthew and I will be sitting down and we will be recording a live version of a Dueling Review for all of our patrons over at our secret Discord channel. When you connect your, if your account, if your current uh, Patreon account allows you to connect your Discord uh, over there, uh, $5 and higher. Uh, we do have a live Discord where a bunch of people show up and they can hear us talk this week about Shang-Chi number two. From Marvel Comics. Uh, I hear that movie just wrapped. We were just talking about that earlier. So there you go. How does all of this get done? Well, it gets done through the uh, many, 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 many uh, gracious uh, hands of listeners like you who have signed up to become patrons over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Literally, we couldn't do this uh, without your uh, support. And if you enjoy what you're hearing and if you think that hey, uh, four or five episodes a month is worth about a buck for me, then you're looking at a silver-level membership that gets you access to so much uh, additional content. You're going to find out uh, between the months of, uh, of uh, November and December if you're not already. Sign up at the $1 and sample everything. That's the best way to do it. Uh, you can find out more at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Also, uh, it snowed this week, Matthew. Did it snow where you were at?
3: Oh, yeah. It snowed and snowed and snowed. None of it stuck, but it snowed. It
1: was annoying. Oh, yeah. Ours stuck. I had to get out um, with, my, with my cough uh, early in the morning and go shovel the, the driveway because I didn't think it was going uh, to be thick enough for, for the snowblower. Your cough? I shouldn't be doing it, but I went out and did it anyway because otherwise it wouldn't get done. I should have used the snowblower, but here's the one thing that I did have some warm gloves, and some warm socks, thanks to Isotoner.com and Totes.com. And dear listener, as the weather changes and we get into the fall condition where it gets a little chilly, or for some of you, very wintry already at this time of the year, then you're going to want some of those uh, wares that you can get at Isotoner.com and Totes.com. And you can get 25% off. This is going to be really good if you want to do some early Christmas shopping. Use the checkout code MAJOR, M-A-J-O-R, at checkout at either isotoner.com or totes.com, and you will get 25% off your purchase. Hey, that sounds like a pretty good deal. So why don't you go check it out again? Isotoner.com or totes.com. Use the checkout code MAJOR and get 25% off your order. All right, just in time for Halloween. I don't know if Halloween's been canceled in your areas. They're having Halloween here, but both my kids said, heck no, we're not going to heckin' Halloween. And, uh, And I said, well, that's good, because I'm not giving out any heckin' candy. So why don't we talk about Hellboy in Hell Volume 2, The Death Card? <laughs> Just wait, what? <laughs> well, if they're not going to go trick or treating, we might as well bring some haunting horrors right to our to our listeners' ears for this Halloween with Hellboy uh, in Hell Volume 2,
4: The Death Card. What a
3: strange volume.
1: It is. Why why do you think it's strange, Matthew?
3: Well, and here's the thing. Uh, Hellboy in hell. Hellboy goes to hell, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, he's back in hell. Now he's going to fight the lords of hell. Then he's going to kill them all. And he's going to stab Satan in the face. And he's going to like, ha ha, Satan is dead. And now a volume comes after that.
1: Well, yeah, because That's there's always so... re- there's always repercussions when you kill uh, the lord of, of hell, when you kill Satan and you uh, take your father and your uh, what is it? Brother-in-law, brother in law. Yeah, yep. brother and have a Hi, giant brother. dragon eat them. And then uh what are the demons gonna do? They need to go find new places of refuse. Uh of refuse or refuge. And uh they go Wait. what to uh to Pluto's hangout? Is that where they go and, uh, Well they going? go
0: to Beelzebub's Oh, and that's then right. that doesn't work out. So then they're trying to summon Pluto.
1: Yeah, and uh Beelzebub's. and at some point Hellboy's like, I've had enough of this, and uh he goes and kills everybody.
3: The
2: end.
1: Pretty much, right, Ashley hello, or no? Hello.
2: I'm gonna be honest because we read the last one, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what's different about this volume. Mm. It feel they both feel, and it's possible because this is only the second Hellboy thing I've. I know ever there's read. like
1: one, there's one more volume after this of
2: Hellboy. But there was a moment where I was like, Am I accidentally rereading? What I already read.
3: Is there? I thought this was the last issue of Hellboy in Hell.
1: No, I think like, there's one more where... It um,
3: ended with number 10, didn't it?
2: Um,
1: I thought there was one more volume. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe there is one more after this. But, I'll, I'll look it up. But um, I think that's kind of the point, right? I mean, this is Hellboy just wandering the vastness and trying to figure out, you know, what he's supposed to do and who's behind the... The supposed death of Satan—that he did—and it really wasn't him, or maybe it was him, but somebody else was playing along. His sister—oh, Hellboy's got a sister, by the way—we find that out in this
0: book.
2: He has several, many siblings. Yeah, lots of them.
0: Yeah, they, um, just, never, they just don't show up so much in the regular Hellboy comic because they're just hanging out in hell.
1: Yeah, and so I think part of that is, yeah, Hellboy does need to kind of wander and find things out. Now he doesn't go on a whole Dante's trip, right? A Dante's Inferno where he visits all nine levels of heck. But he certainly is doing a lot of visitations of different parts, right? They're like, "Oh, well, here's the city. You can't get out of the city really. But if you do, then you can either go to the beach, which is an endless beach in an endless ocean, or if you make it out of town, you could go to the the tangled forest that is impenetrable. But if you get it past that, then you will meet the high mountains, which are also impenetrable. And along the way, you will have many adventures." And I think that's kind of just this desolation and hopelessness that Hellboy is having uh, through both of these volumes. Yes, he's punching some bad guys in the face. They're all demons, so you can't feel bad about them. Also, here's all these other bad people that he's meeting who are in hell. Can't really feel too bad about them either, uh, but he feels like he needs to protect certain people and he's willing to just kind of do whatever he needs to do in in hell while he's there. And so I think that bleak outlook is kind of the point.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a general theme that the the world is ending like hell is going to basically stop existing um by hellboy's hand and and literally he starts that process i mean he starts that process earlier in the series but he kicks off the the final things when he kills satan um and um there's talk of uh, a new world tree growing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this all kind of feels like a very sort of, uh, a lot of the time, you know, aside from like a few jokes and quips here and there, it feels like a very um, like a uh, solemn, like last look at the world of Hellboy uh, before it all gets wrapped up uh, essentially. I mean, they can always like insert new stories here and there, but this really feels like the end of like the end of the Hellboy uh uh saga, I guess.
1: Yeah, it does. And that's why I thought there was one more I thought there was one more volume of this. Apparently there isn't. Uh no. but this is where it ends. Yeah, this is where it ends, which is kind of final, but I was still expecting there's a whole point where Hellboy comes back, and that happens in that miniseries BPRD the double um No, not The Devil You Know, but maybe that is the one where he comes back. Uh, But he's coming back in the BPRD, or he does come back in the BPRD series, so he's not gone forever, but this certainly does feel like that's it, lights out for everybody in this volume.
3: Isn't that story set earlier in his timeline?
1: There is, and I don't know, uh, The Devil You Know, I may be getting the wrong title there, but there's a point where he comes back and they literally dig him up. So, I don't know. Um... Would you? Guys, I mean, Matthew thought it was weird. Ashley thought she was rereading a lot of the same stuff. Right, did I, did, even, I,
2: I mean, I guess I thought it was weird too. I guess that's the way that I would phrase it. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful but, though.
1: Oh, it's always the art is always fantastic. Um, I like the fact that Mike Mignola is bringing in actual historical figures into the story. Classic. I always, I always yeah. like it when he weaves actual history into it. As well as, you know, like, here's the, you know, he's gone through and researched all the devil's names from the Book of the uh, of the Demons or whatever it is, Demons and Angels. Uh, so he's able to throw those in there. But, you know, the, the, the two guys that he finds on the street are wanting to help him. And then you find out about the lady. And there's, it's just all sorts of really cool historical stuff that weaves its way in here that I think makes the story a little bit interesting for me, at least.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, did you, did you enjoy this, Rodrigo?
0: I mean, I did, I didn't enjoy it as much as the last volume. And I think it's because this volume feels, so the last volume has a lot of like, hey, remember this thing about Hellboy? Wasn't that cool? Here's like a little bit more on it. There was a lot of that going on. Like this volume feels like that again, except a lot of it is about the first volume rather than about like previous adventures of Hellboy. There's still plenty of that, Mm -hmm, you know, like Hellboy's mm -hmm. wife comes back. Yeah. In this, like, she's a big deal as far as the story. So that's fine. Um, yeah. But uh, this one felt much more disconnected, much more disjointed. Where, like, Hellboy's just kind of meeting people and having adventures. And they're not really cohesively, like, Hellboy needs to do this to do X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still kind of moving in the general direction towards the end of the story. Um, you find out that he got, you know, cursed by the fates. Um, you find out that, like, you know, basically who that little snake was that told him to do bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, you you find out all this stuff and it kind of works itself out. But again, it feels like, like, there were times when I would, like, flip back to another place like I would start reading something and I was like, did I skip a page I go back? And I was like, no, this just kind of just hopped ahead, Yeah, you know, to, to something else. And the whole, the whole volume feels like that a lot of the time.
1: I think that, so again, I, I think that the other thing that I found v- very fascinating was this kind of return to a lot of previous stories like Hellboy in Mexico, where that time that he tried to drown himself at the bottom of the ocean, uh, or, um, there was another one that they, they reference in here, um, oh, uh when he punched when he was fighting the vampires. Was that also Hellboy in Mexico? What's the one where he, well, he punched the vampire? No, bat that in was that was in
0: Prague. Oh, Prague, where he, right. like fights that vampire. Yeah.
1: And was so, it Prague? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Belarus or something, who knows? Um But I like that they're kind of referring back to some of those older stories, and it feels like in the revisiting it almost feels like Mike Mignola is saying goodbye to Hellboy as he's visiting oh, these characters yeah. and, and moments one more time, and so I think that adds a little bit more impact both into this volume and the first volume that you get to see. But also that Hellboy ends up at one point, uh, I guess, taking on the crown. That's why he's got his big old horns and he's punching uh, all yeah, of yeah, into yeah. The, it's
0: like again, I feel like if you're not well versed in Hellboy stuff. Like that just comes out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. 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 But then yeah, in the like, end he still uh cracks off his horns and says he's not gonna be serve as the sit in the seat or any of that stuff. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I can see if you're not it, what you're coming from, Rodrigo is if you're not well versed in Hellboy, a lot of this stuff is gonna be meaningless to you. But I also yeah. don't think that, Ashley, unfortunately, I don't think that you should be reading Hellboy and Hell as your second Hellboy story.
2: Uh, I, I I think you're probably right.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the truth. And it's, it's not saying, yeah. well, you shouldn't, because if you want to read it, you certainly can. And you did. And so that's great. But I, I, I don't think that this is new reader friendly.
2: No, oh, I, I don't think not. it is
3: either. It's not even old reader friendly in some ways, because I mean, it sure. was throwing me. Well, I mean, Hellboy like, goes yeah. back,
1: what, uh, 30 years now? Is that how much Hellboy we've had? 30, 35 years 25-ish. of Hellboy?
3: 25-ish. I want to say 95 sounds about right.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I so mean, it's like a, good,
3: like a good 15
0: volumes or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So,
1: I mean, there's a lot to read. And I know Rodrigo has devoured everything Hellboy. And I try and to keep up as...
0: Honestly, like, I, I've i never really picked up on BPRD stuff. And some of this uh, factors into stuff that can, comes up in BPRD, mm-hmm. stuff that comes up in, like, um, like one-shots and limiteds, right? Whereas, mm-hmm. like... Usually I'm just reading the Hellboy series. Um, so, yeah, there's stuff in this stuff that I haven't seen. And that, you know, basically I have to wait for Hellboy to explain it. Yeah. And sometimes you just get a sentence and then like a weird frog reacts to that <laughs> sentence. and so that's all you get.
1: And that is kind of that adds to the creepiness, right? Where all of a sudden oh, you just come away it. and there's I a frog or there's a, a fly or a snake just sitting there just staring. And it's like, bah
0: like Hellboy says something it's like here's a shot of a weird creepy statue back to the conversation great I love it it's fantastic Mignola's stuff is great in that sense
1: now Mignola does try to footnote everything whenever he can which I think adds a little bit more to it Where it says hey this was uh when either either
2: him or the editor really does a good they're trying to look out (laughs) yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah. um but yeah I can see where there's a lot of stuff and and I have not followed Hellboy. Um, nearly close enough to remember everything that he's done, especially because the stories jump back and forth so much in time. And you're trying to figure out now, did this happen here or here or there? Um, So I can, I can see where this is, this is super dense. And I, even though there's very few words in here, I think that there is so much more um, layering that's going on because you need some familiarity of, the time Hellboy fought, fought a vampire in Prague to really go, oh, okay, mm-hmm. this is why this guy's pissed off and why Hellboy punches him in the face again and sends him packing and taking the seat and becoming the king and the ruler and defeating everything and then casting it all away again. I, I think that does, uh, I think it does add your enjoyment if you are super familiar with the previous material. Matthew though, is that a, is that a, a hindrance though for someone like you who's been a, I would say casual reader of Hellboy?
3: Absolutely. But I mean, the thing about it is Is it going to be enough of a hindrance to throw off the parts that do work? I mean, Mignola's art is always fascinating, even if you don't like what the story is doing or if you don't like the images. I mean, there's a short story at the end of this where apparently everybody's a puppet and it creeps me out and I don't like it. But I can't look away, you know, and I I feel like. There's something about the art, there's something about the way that it's put together that you can sit there and stare at a page and go, this is gorgeous. Wait, what was going on? And that's yeah. kind of part and pulse, parcel of that Mike Mignole experience. But yeah, I feel like it really does throw me in a couple of places in here that, you know, I'm not remembering, oh, who is Gregor Ilvoliotshavarshanen? And we have to, you know, take a moment and check the Hellboy wiki and look around. And, you know, I'll, I'm more willing to do that work to get to the end of a story, but it does draw me, you know, out of that, that enjoyment, that immersion that I really like to get out of a story. And there are points, especially as this story starts to wind down, that it feels very true to life. It feels like the real world where things don't end with a dun-dun-dun and final credits, but just sort of taper off, and yeah, okay, we're done now, bye, and I I really love that kind of ending, and I feel like conceptually, this this whole chapter, this whole collection, should be for me, and yet for some reason, it's not.
1: And you don't know why, or...
3: It's it's really hard to parse. I mean, part of it, I think, is that expectation that we really are wrapping up all the threads, that we're really coming to the ending. And there's a lot of things that, you know, if you read Hellboy number 1 in 1993, I'm sure there's a reference in this to that. And I haven't. There is.
1: There, yeah, there actually is, yeah. When they're yeah, talking I about him being would... born and he just went by Hellboy.
3: You're getting to this last you know, the end of it all and we're wrapping it up and it's a big bow. And I feel like to some degree, having not read it avidly since the beginning or have not read the collections, you know, in an order to where all of this really kind of rolls onto itself and becomes the huge narrative, I feel like, yeah, I mean, it does kind of stand out. Now I will say this, I feel like if I had read an omnibus of, the previous volume of Hellboy in Hell and this all 10 of those issues? Yeah. I don't think I've had the same problem cuz I enjoyed that first half. I was still confused, but I, I remember enjoying it and being more dragged into it. So I feel like if all 10 of these are together eventually in a collection, I think there I would is an say, omnibus yes, edition.
1: edition. I think there is a, a omnibus edition.
3: Yeah, uh, uh, I'm sure there will be. It would They've be heard nice us talk about it.
1: Uh, it's the Hellboy omnibus volume four, Hellboy in Hell, that you there can you pick it up. Uh, and I would say uh, the omnibus collections of Hellboy are really, really good. What I would really suggest, if you're wanting to, if you enjoy Hellboy and you want to invest in a nice collection, the library editions are what you need to get. These are big, oversized, black hardbound books, uh, and then that, you get to
2: look at all the pretty art, which was the only part yeah. that I understood in this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, um, how does the how does the uh, the I mean, you're you're talking about how good the art is, Ashley, but how good is it really?
2: It's like mind blowing. Like this should be in a museum son level.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: saw those movies this year. Finally, yeah. <laughs> Do you watch all of them? Uh, yes, I did.
1: OK, all right. Uh, yeah, so I would definitely say go get the uh, library editions if you can get them. The omnibus editions also very, very good um and the art is always spectacular and that's and that's one of the things that over the years as hellboy stories have been told and as hellboy uh, as stories that are set in the hellboy universe has been told Mignola always has some kind of a a hand in it whether it's the story concept or idea but he's not always the person that's been doing the art or actually writing the script for for the comic book and so it is good when you can get a Mignola on art Mignola on writing and that is, that is everything. This feels, to me, very definitive, very finite, very this is the end. Until, of course, like I said, the BPRD uh, book when he comes back. Um, but uh, definitely, I, I enjoyed this. I, I gotta say, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I would probably recommend it if you are a fan of Hellboy. I guess that would be my bottom line recommendation. I mean, yes, it is confusing in parts. And yes, you probably will have to scramble to your hellboy wikipedia or have the other volumes uh at the ready as you're reading this uh but i think if you're someone who it's has
4: Rodrigo.
1: yeah i think if you're someone who's familiar enough with the Hellboy story i th- i think you're i think you'll enjoy this uh so that's bottom line for me ashley what about you what are some bottom line thoughts uh for you on this
2: bottom line i think this series is probably best read in one go so that would be a great idea to follow steven's advice Get the library editions, because it's probably going to collect this whole rank. because it's really not that many issues. Uh, not for the new reader, but not an unenjoyable experience, I think, if you would consider yourself fairly uninitiated to Hellboy, just because the world is so rich and it is so horrifyingly beautiful. Uh, really a great choice for this time of year, but since time is meaningless, maybe try it out in December as well.
1: Yeah, there you go. I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be uh, something Christmassy in there for everybody. Uh Rodrigo, final thoughts from you?
0: Um yeah, I mean definitely I feel like this series is trying to wrap up uh the like Hellboy main series uh with a bow except it's like a black really thin ribbon on some like newspaper like cuz mm-hmm. it it kind of feels bad too and that's on purpose. Um and I think that it's successful in that sense. Um and, you know, as like after all that time, it's like I can't fault Mike Mignola for ending this uh series however he wants to do it. And also it doesn't feel bad that Hellboy maybe comes back. It's like seeing the do- the a, a doctor that's already passed in an episode of Torchwood, right? It's yeah. like it's not in his series, so it's fine. You know, you can you can still have guest stars. Mm-hmm. Um it's, uh, you know, it's bittersweet if you scratch enough to find the sweet parts.
1: Mm, mm, okay, good. Good thoughts there. Uh, Matthew, final thoughts from you.
3: In this town we call home, <laughs> everybody bow to Anung Unrama. Oh, did so, you mean coherent? Final thoughts? I thought that was pretty good. Eh. I. I like it. I would recommend it to especially if you're a Hellboy fan. I feel like this is one of those books that you can just look at and enjoy and just not even, you know, engage yourself in the story and still be like, "Wow, this is gorgeous." But it, I, I will, you know, caveat emptoria, It will throw you. It's a it's a bronco and you you're going to have to be aware of your of your of yourself when you are on this particular Hellboy horse.
1: All right, there you go. Listeners, if you do want to pick this up, there is a link uh, in the show notes over at Majorspoilers.com for you to uh, grab this over at uh, Amazon.com. It doesn't cost you any extra, but a little bit does come back our way, and I'd certainly appreciate all the help you can throw uh, our way right now. And uh, maybe you want to check out some other Hellboy stuff over there at uh, at Amazon. Just add it to your cart. Read and enjoy. Make them Christmas gifts. Make them, um, make them stocking stuffers. Uh, just make sure you don't have any little demons uh, running around that could cause trouble. Uh, Later on. That's the way it is. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Um, I think that's where we will wrap it up this week. Next week. Oh, we are two episodes away from episode 900. 900. Next week. Oh, man. I think there was supposed to be an Eternals movie that was supposed to come out next week. Uh, But instead, we're going to look at Eternals uh, from Jack Kirby. So that will be interesting. And then the week after that... For big ol' episode 900, it looks like Astro City, The Dark Ages, book one, or The Dark Age, book one. So we're going to get back to Astro City once again uh, this year. In the meantime, though, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for listening, and thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience.
3: Feedback, feedback, everybody feedback. Use the comment section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to my singing and to this episode.
2: Or even better, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com.
0: And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers.
1: We will be back next week because we know that you love comics. We do, too. We will talk with you soon.
4: Major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm stark raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East With a king, Santo throwing soldier what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.